0: What does motion sound like? With Kizzik Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizzik.com slash socks.
1: Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today we have Josh St. John. Uh, this is uh, JSJ Bates. This is the first of uh, the NorCal edition. So I went up north last, uh, gosh, a week ago uh, to do, I started with Paul Bailey, uh, Aaron Britt, and Johnny Z to, at Clear Lake, which was a mission, man, it, but it was well worth it. I, I think that was one of the funniest podcasts I've ever done. That's going to come out, I think, next week, next Monday. And then I worked my way to Oakley where I did uh John Josh St. John. I'm see, I'm messing his name up again. <laughs> they told me it was John. And I kept saying John and it's Josh. So uh I did Josh St. John and then I did Jeremy from Black Dog. And then we did a round table with um Caesar, Phil Dutra, Tanner, and uh, Danny. Delamante from uh, Blank and Bobby D. Bates, his dad. Great roundtable. Like I said, an hour in, two and a half hours in, it gets sloppy. We got trashed. I drank beers all fucking day, so it was pretty bad. But it was a good two hours. Really good about the Delta. Very informative. So uh, you guys will hear that. It'll be a good one. And this month, uh, I want to say thank you to uh, Mike Gilbert for the Patreon. This month, uh, it was amazing. I announced all the winners already. You guys heard it already. Whoever won, um, I messaged you. So, you, you guys are going to get a, a cool bait. Thank you to everyone who donated. Appreciate it. And this month's Patreon is sponsored by IROD, Toxic Baits, and Blanked. So, we will have two different uh, IRODs and two different uh, Toxic Baits that match. So, it's going to be a seven ninety four. And it'll have a bait match, so it'll either be a—I'm not sure what bait Caesar said, but I'm gonna announce something. So you'll win a—you'll uh, win a toxic bait, an iRod, rod, and then a blanket with probably like a hat, some swag shirt, sweatshirt. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, but they're gonna sponsor the Patreon this month, so please stick around to get some sick ass shit from these guys. Also, um, what else we got going on? Oh, we got our uh, trip the nineteenth. I'll be posting something up for you guys that signed up. That's going to tell you what to use. It's going to be leadhead and squid. Uh, we'll tell you what kind of rig to use. Uh, and I got to, I guess, make the rules because you win a Traeger if you win jackpot. So I think we're going to do it to where you can fish a plastic with a, a, a squid trailer, I think. But I got to figure it all out. Either way, uh, I'll be posting something about that. Also, I got the saltwater guys this month. So they're, it's going to be all NorCal freshwater. Still sprinkled in some salt water. Tomorrow, we have Jack Soul. We have, um, which you guys, anyone needs to listen to that. This guy has an amazing story. He's probably one of the OG calico fishermen from down here, calico bass, but he also has a crazy story. I think he's like 80-something. Crazy guy. Um, And we have Eric Lanisfine and Matt Koch, Koch, two comedians. These guys are so funny. Also very good anglers. And we have two captains from Long Beach, birth 55, Phil and Mitch. So it'll be a good one. Um, Thank you for signing up for the Patreon. If you haven't, please do help support the podcast. Also, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, positive one, and subscribe on YouTube. This episode will be up there. So uh, check it out. I'm trying to do as many as I can. It's just a lot of work. So I'm trying to catch up. And this week I was able to catch up. With Josh St. John's episode, so it'll be up on YouTube. And I think that's about it. You'll get a saltwater episode on Thursday. I'm trying to do six a month from now on. And yeah, that's all. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you like this one. Uh if you're listening still, this is a great episode for bait makers. This guy dropped some knowledge bombs for real. Some crazy like fabricator stuff. He's really good. So please listen to this one and uh, give him a follow, man. Great guy. Thanks again for listening, guys. Bye. Is that better? I know that Jeremy was using it. It probably stinks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he can't hear us. So he, thank
1: God. He's a, he's nasty. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so John, what's your, it's John St. John? It's
0: Josh St. John. Josh St. John. Yeah.
1: These fucking assholes all told me it was John.
0: Well, it's it's my what last fuck, name. Man? People get it. It happens all the time. It's, it's Josh St. John. Josh St. John. JSJ. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um, so this is another piece of the puzzle to me is that you've been doing this for a long time.
0: I started back in 06 was when I released my first bait. It was the snack size trout.
1: And you, you've you lived up here your whole life?
0: Uh, I moved up to the city in 95. I grew up in Pismo Beach. Oh, so, so in mid... Mid, mid uh, yeah, mid, halfway between here a Real and Royal LA. Grande, <laughs> close
1: to Royal Grande, kind of.
0: Yeah, I used to drive down to Santa Barbara and hang out with friends all the time. So. Did
1: you uh, grow up listening to Nardcore stuff, Oxnard? Uh,
0: I I was more into ska and punk back oh, then. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: What it, punk bands were you into?
0: Oh, back then I was really into Fugazi and just uh, got into Social Distortion. Was like a really big one of my favorite bands. Um, but I really got into the whole scooter scene and was was really into that and I moved up to uh, moved up to San Francisco in 95 I went to the culinary academy and I ended up getting out of that whole industry and going and working over at a place called First Kick Scooters and I was a mechanic over there for a number of years before. is that electric scooters like no the, this is all old vintage vespa and old yeah. vespa
1: okay so the and it kind yeah, of thing so it, was it cool. all goes together yeah it was is cool. that red light on on that camera not this one looking at you
0: uh no it's not on it's on on this Fuck one me. hold on <laughs> see i would have fucked this
1: up oh you can't see it it is on
0: oh, okay gotcha there's a red light right
1: there just gotcha cool if you can look
0: yeah, I can see it in the center. All right. But it's cool to hear, uh, the, like, the uh, ska. Like, the
1: skinhead it, thing is not racial. Like, uh, you ever met Charles?
0: Uh, no, I haven't met him. Tatuna? I haven't met him.
1: He's a big uh, unity guy.
0: I feel like we're probably, yeah, two to one degree of separation. Dude, a lot of the for peoples. sure.
1: Like, you got to, a lot of the punk stuff, it all combines. Like, Charles, like, I, I'll tell you, we never talked. So, this story was, I used to... I tell him, I'm like, Yeah, hey, I used to go to Chan- uh, Showcase. Uh-huh. It's a big dude, Showcase Theater, punk shows. And he's like, oh, there's a lot of Nazis. I'm like, not really. Well, there was, but the Unity guys used to fucking kill,
0: beat them yeah, up, it's, dude. It's making a comeback in down in Southern California, too, in the yeah. scooter scene. It's really weird.
1: Yeah, and I told him, and he's like, oh, yeah, it was a Unity skin. And he's he taught me how to kind of swim bait fish a little. Uh-huh. So it's a cool story to hear. You're kinda of into the music scene a little bit, ska, I mean yeah. punk, it's all hand in hand. It all
0: goes hand in hand. It was it was cool to sort of catch like the tail end of the the real movement that left over from the seventies and eighties. And it kinda of, it kinda of dwindled in the I don't know, probably late nineties, early two thousands, it just kinda of got sold out. It wasn't the new scooters came out, and it just kind of flooded the market with a bunch of wannabes. And I it, feel like
1: Suburbia hit it on the head.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> that time,
1: and so did uh, Salt Lake City Punks. Yeah. Remember that movie? Kind of like it kind of was the same era.
0: Yeah, I do remember that. Was that was a great,
1: great era, like that 96-ish, 7-ish, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah I've, I've always been sort of drawn to just underground scenes and <laughs> that's probably what got me drawn into swim bait fishing too it was just kind of like a subculture of fishing you know were you fishing then i i started fishing when i was i don't even 5 years old 6 years old so were you old. fishing
1: like down the lakes down there yeah fun.
0: i grew up i grew up fishing down there um, uh, when i was a little kid my my mom and dad used to take me out to like the trout farm below lopez is where yeah. where i really sort of got my i I used to fish off the pier before then and down in pismo Mm -hmm. and then i got to fish at the trout farm and sort of was my introduction to that's when i got my first uh, uh freshwater rod and then after that i got into bass fishing i used to fish the oceano lagoon and then there's a lagoon down in down in pismo which they dredged out when i was a kid and it was illegal to fish down there but me and my buddies just to get out there and just throw spinner baits and just catch fish. Just we fished down there for years and yeah. years and years. Got kicked out a bunch of times. Just kept going back. We had boats hidden down there, chained up to the trees. Oh, so and,
1: you take the boats out in the lagoon?
0: Oh yeah, it, but we got—I mean, we, we got away with it because we were kids. Yeah, got away yeah. with yeah. murder. But yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, it, so I cut my teeth down there just i mean i don't remember that was in elementary school middle school and then my my best friend's dad at the time uh david logan his dad uh jack logan had he was in the bass club down there and he used to take us out on his old uh i don't remember what it was a gold glastron bass boat out on lopez Mm -hmm. and we used to fish out there and he was he's sort of like what got me into the the whole fishing thing like at bass fishing out of boats and got really excited about it as a kid and i was back in uh, like late elementary school into middle school
1: what year was that
0: that would have been late 80s i don't even know uh i graduated high school in, in 94 okay so did you know uh littner then no, I didn't. He went to school with my sister. Oh no way. A G yeah, A. G. Yeah, High School.
1: Small, small world, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, my sister's just a, a few years older than my older. Did you older know sister. Chuck Liddell? I didn't know.
1: <laughs> I have a friend, my friend Dennis. Um uh, his name's a, uh, McDonald, Dennis McDonald. He grew up in a row around. There. Okay. He's a punk guy. Yeah. Uh and uh he had some friends that worked at uh they work at um Tackle Warehouse.
0: Okay so but, funny story yeah. tackle warehouse um, the original the tackle warehouse bought the original store from I can't remember the dude's name but the original store was in downtown AG yeah Old town and that was in I, w- I think that was in late 90s maybe early 2000s I can't remember when they bought it but that was that was the store that I really like bought my first swim baits at they had rag Regos in there and I bought my first bluegills some of my first hard baits in there and that was the first store that I bought my swim baits in that was I think it was late 90s and that was that was basically where I got introduced to it going in there and seeing that. it was just this little store probably not much bigger than the room than we're in now. Caesar's place yeah yeah and it was just packed to the walls but you could barely walk in the place <laughs> <laughs> it was cool.
1: And that's kind of what triggered your whole swim bait fantasy, like your that was, what your fascination, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, it was just like how I, that was the first visual introduction to him, and I just, okay. I saw him in there, I bought him, and um, was that, well, I would actually go, go back, even before then, I bought one of the little baby bass castaics, mm-hmm. uh, used to come in the little like white box, <laughs> the little stamp, the green stamp on them. Um, And it was funny. It was just like this little, it was probably only like a five or six inch little baby bass. Um, Started throwing those and lost a couple and got, they were like 50 something bucks. So I couldn't afford (laughs) more at the time. But that's, I got more into soft bait stuff because uh, they were more affordable. Uh And I was losing a lot of it. Like this, I, that was when the castaic started coming out, the early boot tail little castaic, they had the six inch and then the eight inch ones. Those were sort of the the first ones that I threw back and then like in the early two thousands and started really sort of figuring it out with those baits, like putting it up into in things that <laughs> like just was afraid to throw those more expensive baits into. Essentially, yeah. Um, I would they would sell they'd sell them at Walmart at some point, and I would just like go around to different WalMarts and just clear the shelves and just buy as many as I could.
1: That's a good idea. Dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was it was readily available. They were cheap, and I just I and you were throwing
1: those when you were down in uh, Pismo, kind of that Pismo.
0: Area. And then um, <clears throat> I when I moved up to the city and I was in the Culinary Academy, I didn't really fish for a couple of years because you're living in the city. It's like life is a lot different living in the city versus just outside the city didn't have a boat back then you're too busy
1: skanking pickle i know
0: right well back i was (laughs) i kind of got sidetracked by the whole rave scene back then like early on it was a big underground thing like underground parties in
1: san francisco right i mean up that way
0: yeah san francisco and then all the way down like your way la yeah uh, santa barbara yeah um so i got i got pretty sidetracked by that whole thing it was a cool underground scene though back then before that Kind of going back to that whole subculture yeah, thing. It's yeah. like once you, once stuff kind of hits mainstream, I just kind of lose interest in it a little bit.
1: <laughs> Is that why you've lost interest in swim bait fishing? Yeah, just, that was, just <laughs> <fucking> it goes <laughs> in and out,
0: just like anything. It, your interest goes, goes, comes and comes and goes. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not going away.
1: <laughs> so do you, uh, when you were up there, when did it click back in? Where you're like, hey, man, i I swim bait fishing maybe even fishing you might not have been swim bait fishing it okay, was but.
0: yeah i didn't i didn't only swim bait fish um but it was i can't remember it was 99 or 2000 i got my first boat up in dixon at the the gone fishing marine up there Wow. About a used uh it was a 97 stratus with a 115 ebon root on it and um think yeah, i got it for like fifteen thousand dollars or something like that but um, it was a
1: real boat. It wasn't like... Yeah, it was yeah, my yeah. first
0: boat. I, I I just went straight into a fiberglass boat. I was looking at aluminum boats, but I just... I was looking at fishing Clear Lake and all these other lakes, and I just didn't seem like a good idea. Which so. is, a,
1: is a crazy story that you jump straight into a uh, fiberglass boat. Like... A lot of dudes go, "Oh, I bought this boat for a grand," or "I bought this boat for 200 bucks." You're like, "No, I want yeah, the
0: I think it goes back to f- from when I was a kid. I mean, when I first started fishing with my buddy's friend. I mean, it was fishing out of an old glass yeah. full bass boat, and I was just didn't didn't want to. Felt like <laughs> felt like I was going backwards if I stepped into an aluminum boat at that point. Right, I mean, right. no, they're they're awesome. I mean, I've been thinking about getting one for smaller b- bodies of water lately. But, um, so I'm not talking any shit about him, but it just, it didn't fit. I'm going to be going to be fishing. But this is the thing
1: is, is not, not saying you're talking shit, but you like are skipping a whole, a whole, just instead of going like, let me dip my toes in. You're like, no, I'm going to fucking jump in in the water. When I get into things, I jump head first. Yes. There you go. (laughs) I don't (laughs) fuck around usually. Yeah,
0: And that was. I was I had tournaments in my sight and everything and I just I didn't go there immediately but I I got some good years out of the boat I I got my first 10 pounder out of that boat it was just um
1: And you were fishing Clear Lake at the time?
0: Clear Lake, Barriessa, before Barriessa used to be just sort of the ghost town like you'd go up there on the weekends and you might see five boats.
1: That's crazy, dude. Up here like compared to down south it's like you would never
0: Yeah. And so only in the last 10 years has become sort of a a destination point. It didn't used to be like that. Yeah. Um it used to be a, I mean it's cool now but back then it was it was neat that it was, there's something with a, a land trust or something up there with the there used to be houses all along the whole lake and that time period ran out and all those people that had like houses and trailers and stuff along the lake got got uh got kicked out. Okay. Um and it was somewhere around then like one of the marinas shut down and like it was a lot of the a lot of the stores and marinas and everything got taken away but then more traffic came to the lake it was kind of weird it's almost yeah right more people fishing yeah stuff like that
1: is that a body of water so i'm not sure can you swim in that barriessa yeah it's it's like a full lake not like a like down south, we got Diamond Valley. You can't touch.
0: Yeah, it's just as big as Clear Lake. Okay. Oh uh, no way! Wow. It's big. Yeah, it's it's uh, big. It's got a lot of uh, different variables. It's it's a uh, shallow water when the lake's full. There's a lot of shallow grass, weeds, m- uh, weed lines, and then all the way- you can fish deep water, shallow water, flats, rock humps. It's a, a lot of a lot of different different styles of fishing there. You can kind of choose what you want to do.
1: Were you? Uh, into bait making at this time or you just kind of were fishing
0: i was just fishing back then i was painting baits i started painting baits when i was a kid like wiggle warts and stuff stripping them down and painting them with like testers doing my own crawdad patterns no and way stuff. dude yeah
1: damn with what were you using then
0: Oh, uh, for paint yeah oh testers i was just like hand hand brushing oh, it with, with testers like a... <laughs> and then um yeah, and then uh, eventually started spray painting them and stuff, and then I got my first airbrush. I don't even remember when.
1: Damn, what year what, was that?
0: I don't even know. Probably. I was in, like, middle school or something like Dude, that. what kind know. of airbrush was that? You don't even some remember. piece of crap badger, I think. That's, I don't know. Badger? They've been <laughs> around forever, Yeah. Huh? It was just, like, some plastic when I was just using it with the little aerosol cans. It's
1: still cool as shit, like, to hear, like, something old like that, like...
0: You've been into this
1: for like a long time.
0: You know, like it's fishing's been part of my life ever since. But not even that, bait
1: building, you know, uh, painting stuff like that. Like, since you don't hear guys going, Oh, I've been doing since middle school, I've been painting baits. Yeah, I started,
0: I started getting, I started making my own swim baits in probably 2003, 2004. Um, And it, 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 I was inspired by some stuff that was already out there like the triple trout and everything, but I wanted the reason I designed the snack size is it the triple trout didn't do what I wanted it to do. And this is right when I was starting to get into uh tournament fishing and, um, Back when I bought my boat at Gone Fish and Marine, um, they sold like early bass tricks and stuff. And I don't know if you know about like some of the early top hook bass tricks were were out right about that same time that the castaic was out. Mm -hmm. And um, not many guys know about that. But uh, Bruce Porter was uh, quite a contributed quite a bit early on to to the soft.
1: Is that the, the owner from at the time from Bastrix?
0: Bastrix, yeah. And and before the Bastrix, there was a lot of top pour stuff. Um, and like a top. So
1: Bastrix was doing like a do, uh, molded injection. Yeah, it,
0: was, it wasn't even injected. It was just, I think they were just top pour. Really simple, rudimentary uh, patterns, but they had lead heads in them and a top hook. Um,
1: that's a that's a lot of thinking, though, to put the lead head in the top hook if you pour into it. Yeah, I think Right, I'll, you I'll, know, I'll, as I've done a little work and I'm like, fuck, that's. You got to think about it for a second. Yeah. You got to just sort of have a
0: little cavity that holds a hook and everything. Yeah. But, and he was doing a lot of other stuff too. Um, I still have some of the, the baits. He has like, there was like a six and an eight inch fluke. And I still have, have, I bought a ton of them and I still use them. Um, those and the old sluggos, uh,
1: dude, I bought some of those. <laughs> those baits still work. The sluggos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a
0: hybrid between a, a fluke and a Senko. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They, I've caught some big fish on those things. They yeah. used to do the big old the trout pattern in the big ones. <laughs> um, I, don't remember, I lost my train of thought. I don't remember what it was. Uh, uh, we were talking
1: <laughs> about when you were building bait. Um, you, were, uh, you, you didn't have the um, bait you wanted.
0: Yeah, so I, I, had, I had some triple trouts, and I liked them. Um, but I wanted something that was a little bit more darty. Something I call them trick baits now. Something that's a little more versatile than, I mean, you can do it a lot, a lot with the triple chart. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I've caught a lot of fish on them, and I did back then as well. But I wanted something that was a little bit more darty and something a little bit more um, less fluid. Something you could work and twitch and pop. And that's what I did with that original bait, the snack size. And that's and your first bait. That was the okay. first bait that I released in, back in '06, I believe, and um, probably the highest numbers bait that I sold. In the hard baits, I sold well over a thousand of them. Um,
1: did you were you on a forum at the time to sell them, or did you just do it like on your own? How'd that work uh, back then? So
0: th- the f- that was on Western Bass. Back then, a lot of the swim bait guys were on Western Bass. Back then. And that was uh, Mark Menendez's site from uh, Bass Tackle Depot. Mm-hmm. Even pre, I think even pre, before he opened Bass Tackle Depot. And then after that, there was cow fishing with, with Rob Bellany. A lot of the swim bait guys were on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, that was way before Swim Bait Nation. then after that, Swim Bait Nation started. And it was right, I was still on Western Bass and Cal Bass in and it was about the time when Swim Nation got started. I was on there when I released the, the first uh, Snack Size. And it was, it was a whole different thing back then. Um, so Snack
1: Size, if you can explain what it is.
0: The, what it was is the joint configuration and stability of the bait. I figured out I was able to manipulate the fins in such a way that it made it really stable so you could burn it. On, on on the surface, which is really hard to do with a... And it won't turn over. Or with a, yeah, with a small light bait. Um, How
1: much did it weigh?
0: That bait was only like two, three wow, ounces.
1: dude, that's light as shit. But what
0: happened, I was able to angle the fins both in the front and the center so you could burn it and twitch and pause it and... On the surface, and it wouldn't roll over. A lot, of, a lot of it's really hard to do with the small, light bait. But I also figured out a lot of everybody was using metal pins at that point, which add a lot of top weight. And I was able to. I, I started. Other than Mickey, I was one of the first people to use the carbon fiber pin. And people probably don't even know it to this day on baits that it's in, but that helps a lot with with stability on smaller baits because you you take all that weight away from the top of the bait. That was another big factor, and I spent I spent a good six months on that bait just did you, getting it stable. Uh,
1: how did you find out about the carbon fiber pin? Did you just research?
0: Uh, so I'm one of those guys that. When I go to the hardware store, when I go to a hobby store, I f- just geek out and open all the bins and just look at stuff. <laughs> and I just make a mental note of things. And it, I wasn't looking within the industry. I'm not looking, I'm not looking at a net craft catalog going and looking at, at fishing stuff. I'm going outside the industry. And that's really what you need to do in order to discover new things. And I discovered it at, um, the, at a hobby store. And I was just I was going in looking at different pin materials. I started thinking about using hollow aluminum and this, that, and the other thing. And I just found the, the carbon fiber and I was like, this is it. Yeah. And it, it worked out great. It's really strong. It uh, doesn't wear out on the metal uh, screw eyes or anything. And that, that really just was the, the key for me in getting that bait and the stability and everything. Yeah.
1: So you would uh, go into the hardware store, kind of figure out different things. You found the carbon fiber pin. Uh, did you weigh it with a stainless before?
0: I originally tried it with stainless, and it just was having. I, it was the bait was rolling more than I wanted. Is that was the biggest thing, and that's how sort of I, I I came into that idea, which is trying to get rid of that uh that weight in that upper two thirds of the bait. And, and that little bit of
1: weight actually made bit that big of a difference. It really does. Dude, um, that's it come, wild. It
0: comes down to just minute, minute changes on some of these things, especially on the smaller baits. Once you get into the bigger baits, you have a lot more mass that you're working with, and it doesn't, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter as much. You can get away with more on a bigger bait versus a smaller bait, and that's that's the funny thing about cost is people expect smaller baits to be less and you put more work into a smaller bait, I would rather make an 8-inch bait all day long than work on a 5- or 6-inch bait because you put the same amount of work into it and people don't want to pay as much for it.
1: Now that's something you learned, <laughs> I'm sure, as you went. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like,
0: oh, 100%. You know, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's the same... It's the same shit. You des- it took you the same amount of time design an eight to design a five two, whatever you fucking make. It's gonna be the same work you put into it, right? If not more, because it's little, it's gonna turn over, right? Yeah,
0: it's it's a lot of work, um, and the market was different back then. There wasn't as big of a market because this is back when swim bait thing wasn't. It was still an underground thing. Not many people were doing it, so the numbers were less, and the market. I was wholesaling those baits at fifty bucks, and they were retailing for eighty five back then. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about doing that these days. It's just not even worth it. Um, but that's that's what the market. So could you bear were selling
1: them at a uh, tackle.
0: Yeah, I was, I had them at tackle. I had I had like thirty stores back then. I mean, I really oh, jumped shit. into it. I I was, um, I was. So, Mark Menendez really helped us out back then. Like with Jeremy. Um, Myself, uh, I remember Ty Lure back then. Uh, a number of guys. Um, Mark Menendez really helped us out with Bait Nation and Bass Tackle Depot. He he would get a booth every. We did booths like three or four years in a row, and he would front the whole booth as long as we we brought our stuff in and, and this did is the where show. I'm at. This was uh Bass Tackle Depot. Okay, and we would do the the um, ISC shows. Okay. And he would always get prime placement, like as close as he could to the tank. Um, and he was kind of a player back then. He he was into all different things, and uh, he was he really helped us out. So I gotta I gotta say, wait, like he he helped us out. He his magazine was really good. Um, uh, he he did a lot of articles that helped. I got I've got mentions in in. Uh, a bunch of different magazines like field and stream and stuff like that. So all that stuff helped. It was sort of just, it, it was still kind of old school back then. We didn't have social media. We didn't have any of that. And it was, um, it was a whole different deal. So you just had to kind of go, I was just cold calling stores. I mean, I just sat. It was. It's a job. I treated it as a job. You just like cold call stores, and it,
1: that's all you're doing at this time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I jumped right in.
1: And you were um, you were a uh, chef before this.
0: So I was kind of going back. to Yeah, going back to my whole whatever I do. A little little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> I would. I was. A, I did culinary academy in '95, '96. I worked at Coletto's, the downtown San Francisco, for like a little over a year and a half. Quit that. What's
1: the place in San Francisco? I'm sorry. Oh, that's cool. I was listening to uh, How It's Built. You ever listen to that podcast?
0: Uh, I've never heard that one, no. Uh,
1: the dude from Chipotle, that owned Chipotle, worked at a five-star restaurant okay. in San Francisco. I forgot what it was called.
0: There's a there's a lot of really nice restaurants. It's restaurant great, to, It was
1: a I'm just like, "Oh, you know, like I'm all dorking out on this shit now like." What? It's
0: there's <laughs> a whole restaurant scene in San Francisco. It's it's crazy. Are
1: you still big into like
0: I'm not. I've never been a foodie. I'm way more mechanical and I I worked on the 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 line when I was there, mm-hmm. and it's really mechanical. It's it
1: That's you, what you liked about it.
0: I, yeah, I think it was. I wasn't I've w- never been a foodie. I've never been super into food, but it is very mechanical, and and that's sort of I guess what I learned out of it is it was it was just more of a way to get move out of the house and go and do something and just keep moving at a younger age. And, yeah. And after I worked for a year and a half on the line at Coletto's, I I got this job offer from uh, my friend Eric who owned First Kick Scooters, and I just said yeah sure whatever went in there and was a mechanic there for six years. And, Were um, you
1: building swim baits at the time as well?
0: That I wasn't back no, then. Okay. No, this I was I was still fishing, but I was really into the scooter scene back then still. And then after that, I, I'm just kind of going down the timeline here. Yeah. Um, I went off into business myself doing high-end custom restorations on Vespas and Lambrettas with my old buddy, oh, wow. Mark Wilson, down in... Uh, so I was up north, and he was still down in, in Pismo, Grover area. And he did all the paint work. And then I did all the mechanical work. So we kind of, I just drove back and forth a lot because my parents still live down there, Rio Grande. And, um, I did that for a number of years and I had a shop up in Novato, uh, just above San Rafael back then. And after that, I, uh, was getting kind of sick of it. The The whole scene was just kind of dying out and I was just, I was sick of it. And my neighbor, um I had two things sort of going on at once. My my neighbor next door, um Kirk Taylor from Custom Design Studios, he does custom motorcycles and he hired me on uh to do paintwork and uh fabrication. So I was I I learned a lot of um I started doing a lot of metal fabrication there and that's kind of how I cut my teeth doing metal fab and paintwork and that's that's really where I kind of learned the a lot of the minute details of paintwork and everything Mm -hmm. um i was painting stuff before then with the scooter stuff but this got into a whole different level doing graphics and airbrush work and stuff like that um he does he did a lot of like really high-end cool stuff and that was a really fun thing i worked there for a couple years um and while i was there got to got to do some cool stuff i got to work with he was uh Friends with Johnny Chop back then. And that was sort of when the whole uh, motorcycle thing was taken off, all the TV shows and everything. So yeah, yeah. Um, I got to work with Johnny Chop for a couple of weeks. Um, James Hetfield came in and no built way, a bike dude. while we were there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I got to paint a guitar for Hetfield. I got to paint a guitar for Andy, was it Treyho, the, the, the bass player from Metallica. Hey, don't,
1: don't you fuck that last name up.
0: What is, tell me. What? You
1: know what my last name is? Trujillo. It?
0: Trujillo. So is it Trujillo? Yeah, that's my go. cousin. There you go. Yeah.
1: No, I'm just kidding. It's like, <laughs> a dude from Suicidal, you mean, right? Yeah. The bass player. Yeah, guy. so I got to paint a yeah. cool,
0: uh, like, <laughs> tiki uh, bass guitar for oh, him. Oh,
1: that's cool as shit, man.
0: And then, um, what was it? Diamond? I can't remember the... the. So I'm not... Pantera?
1: The Pantera guy?
0: The Diamond uh, dude when he passed away. Um, oh, I...
1: Dime Back Daryl. Dime Dime Back, Back Daryl. Yeah.
0: Um, when he passed away, I got to paint a. Um, Don't
1: tell me you painted the one they put out.
0: The 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 white and silver guitar. No, it was the
1: green one. I s- so they did a production one after he died. Okay. And it was green, I think. But I mean, Dime Back Daryl's a
0: big. Yeah, Pan- he was in- I'm a
1: big Pantera <clears throat> fan. And- yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: and I I wasn't in. I wasn't really into that whole scene. So I didn't. I wasn't even super familiar with him or anything. Mm-hmm. But it was. I after I learned, I was like, wow, this is really cool. You know. Um, so I got to paint a, a guitar that was sort of a um, a thing that they did when when after he passed away it was mm-hmm. a giveaway or something like that or a fundraiser or, or something for him. It was really cool. So you got
1: into painting when you're doing that a lot.
0: I did, and that's that's sort of when I got be- really back into painting fishing lures and stuff too while I was while I was in there. Um, but then I guess. Sort of the in-between filler on that is after I worked there, I got really into metal fabrication and doing architectural metal work and stuff like that. So that's been alongside working with the fishing lures. I've I've always kind of done both. Um, I've always worked from I've worked for myself ever since I quit the scooter shop and 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 just. Are
1: you still doing the metal stuff?
0: I do, yeah, and, and I pick and choose with it. Um, I really love doing it. Um, I'm, I, I, uh, I just am fortunate enough to pick and choose. And if something I don't like, I don't do it. If I a really cool project that I get excited about comes along, I do it. And, uh, so it's kind of, it's cool that I get to do that. I've got two things that I can bounce back and forth with. And recently I've been really concentrating on getting back on the bait stuff. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm concentrating on that this year, and that's sort of my, my New Year's resolution to myself, is that I'm going to... Putting give. out more baits. It, the market has changed a lot, um, mm-hmm. and I sort of, in the last few years, went down a rabbit hole of development, and I, I really haven't been producing a ton of stuff, because I, I just went down a huge rabbit hole of development, and sort of what spurred that is that I was, I was u- doing production on the, the hitch six. I developed pretty bad asthma from working with all the PVC is the paint and uh, plastic. Wow. And I kind of took a step back. I had to take a break from it and I kind of stepped back and I was just like, fuck this, this isn't worth my health, you know? And part of,
1: even wearing masks and stuff it still got you It's,
0: it's long term exposure That stuff gets into your eyes It gets into your skin Your mucous membranes Absorb it
1: That's funny Because I had UFO uh, Eric from UFO on And he said
0: he wears Like a full fucking mask Uh huh Like a full bodysuit Everything It's smart Right <laughs> I mean right? you really know I mean,
1: Like 100% Like I, that, that's crazy mm,
0: Yeah I mean some of the Some of these things That are common In the fishing industry aren't Aren't really labeled As at all First of all Um which is I think a huge problem between micro balloons and the PVCs. It's amazing how the fishing industry gets away with selling that stuff without warning labels. Um, so, you know, not to harp on that, but yeah, if you're, if you're pouring baits and, and especially hard baits and you're messing around with micro balloons, it's no joke. Um,
1: when you see micro balloons, can you explain that to so us? So the
0: micro balloons are the, the uh, small light microspheres that you add to hard baits to make them float. And you add those to the resin, but they're re- they're lighter than air, so they become airborne. And the only safe way to work with them is to use a downdraft table, like it works sort of like a, a paint booth where you just have an Sucks open. down. Tape.
1: You got the holes around the whole thing. Exactly. Okay.
0: And what I did on mine is it's really simple to set up. Is I just took a piece of expanded metal with a twenty-four by twenty-four inch um, uh, air conditioning fan, uh, uh, filter, and I duct taped that in. I built a box that's all sealed with silicone and everything. And my shop's upstairs, and I run it downstairs through the gr- the floor into a big old shop vac and it, it's all it takes you just need a little bit of vacuum to pull those things to keep them from going up and getting airborne because just going
1: through that filter
0: yeah okay. and they go into the, they, the the filter captures a lot of it and i throw it away every every couple months or so okay but most of it goes into that um that that vacuum downstairs and then i just take that whole thing outside and uh do it as safely as I Kill can. Kill all the birds and
1: animals. And everything. Right,
0: I know. Well, the, the crazy thing <laughs> is, so the micro micro balloons are in everything. They use them in filler and food. Like you eat a hamburger at McDonald's and like, like micro balloons. Yeah, it's probably like twenty percent, thirty percent micro balloons. I mean, they're they're inert. Ur- they're inert.
1: Ur- do but- you eat? Or do you try to eat healthier now because of, of that shit? I,
0: I I try to eat. Are healthy, you vegan? am not vegan? No, are you I, vegetarian? No, never never touch that. No, but uh, I I. I'm I recognizing I'm getting older, and I try to eat as best as I can. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but going back to the, you, you don't basically you don't want that shit in your lungs. It's like it's like fiberglass that just embeds in your lungs, and you'll never get it out. So if you breathe it, it's, it's
1: like it's like smoking. A, was it clothes yeah. <laughs> they taste so good, though. Right. Or what?
0: The, the old cool cigarettes that had, like, yeah. a fiberglass in them? Yeah. They, they're minty fresh, right? Right.
1: They taste so good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Until you die from it. Um, but, yeah, be, between that and then the PVC, uh, long-term exposure, breathing that shit. But then even wor- the, the paints are even worse. The paints are worse. Really? Than,
1: the paint's yeah. bad, huh? Yeah, it's
0: really bad. Even,
1: like, the shit used to paint the baits?
0: oh that's worse than the pvc itself what kind of
1: what kind of paint do you use if you don't mind um asking.
0: so on now uh that i'm doing everything out of the silicone which was a result of me going down that wormhole for like three years um in product development um the stuff so that are I'm are us- you
1: painting the silicone bits i am
0: this, wow yeah, so these are all um
1: you could pick it up the cameras and gonna, gonna kind of grab
0: um oh yeah right here <laughs> yeah uh, that's the 9-inch trout right there. Okay, um, They're made out of silicone, and um, it is an off-the-shelf product that I've uh, manipulated a little bit to make it softer and, and extend it a little. Uh, but mostly just to make it softer, I'm adding doing some additives to it. Um, pour is better. You get all the air out of it a little bit better. But it's actually a silicone paint, so this stuff will not come off. It Once once it's on there, platinum cure silicone paint on silicone, platinum silicone.
1: So you have it's, to find that paint, though. I've always wondered that because I want to know, like, you can't just use a regular airbrush paint on that. It's going to come right It'll off. It'll come right off. Yeah. It won't
0: stick to it. It's nothing, see, this is the thing. Nothing sticks to silicone. So it kind of goes back to what I was talking about every time I go in the hardware store. I just pick through the bins how did you find that paint though did you have to just start special effects industry Oh you, you, shit. you just look at you just look at in a different industry it's right? like people have been working with this stuff the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently
0: impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Back into so, for so long, I mean, they started with latex and before they even got into silicones. I mean, the, the, if you're looking at new products, look at the special effects industry. It's at the forefront of everything. Right. I agree. Anything that goes into fishing. It's 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 been used in the special effects industry yeah, for 20 yeah, years, yeah. almost guaranteed. Um, so yeah, just just look outside the industry. the The fishing industry is pretty backwoods, and it it does not jump on to new <laughs> new anything very quickly. Um, Did you
1: uh, do you spray it the same way?
0: You do everything. Everything's the same. No, no Airbrush, different equipment. Whatever, same. Yeah, um, and i've always mixed my own pigments so for me the jump into it was was easy i i it, you just get the medium it's a it's a, just like in the automotive industry um any any industry that uses paint they all use the same mediums they all use they're not mediums i'm sorry they all use the same pigments so pearls um, it, it doesn't matter if it's a pearl It doesn't matter if it's a pigment It doesn't matter if it, it's They all cross industries So anything you buy From House of Color You can find in the taxidermy industry Anything you buy from House of Color You can go into Michaels And buy a pearl That is going to be the same color As maybe number 63 on the wall At House of Colors The quality is going to be different they, they, they have different quality For different price points The stuff that you buy House of Colors Pearl You know Take like a blue pink Or a, what they call it A red, duo red blue Or mm-hmm. whatever Which is like a pink color You can buy that color In House of Colors but you, Or you can go to Michael's And buy it in a powder form It's the same color The quality is just different So pigments are a huge fascination of mine I've, I love doing it I mix all my own colors there's very few colors that I just buy off the shelf. Um, and when
1: you mix them, can you keep can you keep that color like stable or for however long you, you got to keep it for? You know, like say you want to like use that color down the line, you got to uh-huh. remix it again.
0: Uh, it depends on what you're doing. Say if I'm mixing, <clears throat> so on my hard baits, for example, um, I use a. There's two medium there there's three mediums you can use. And I'm just going to give this out cuz I don't really give a shit. I feel like people don't share enough information in this industry, which is And just that, that
1: I feel like it's really cool that you're opening up right now like
0: Sure.
1: <clears throat> it's a it's a crazy game now. I'm sure you've seen it since 2006 to now. Uh-huh. And uh a lot of people are making baits now yeah. and it's cool that you're giving out a little information going
0: I'll, I've done I'll, this give, forever, I'll man. give a little Look bit it, more about know? the hard baits than the soft baits are right now because the soft baits are my niche and I'm, at, I'm kind, of at, <laughs> kind, of at, kind of at the forefront yeah, I've of seen it right that. now. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, I agree. <laughs> but uh so hard baits, I'll tell you three pigments that I can use. Or pig not not pigments, but we call them carriers. Okay. And that basically it's the clear. You can go to any automotive store and you can buy a carrier. Um, and all that is is a clear base. They call it. They call it a carrier. They call it a base. You can go get. You can get it in a single stage, or you can get it in a two stage. And the two stage is what everybody's using. You use a clear coat. So um, you can go to the the automotive store and get a base. You can. All right, this is a big one. So taxi, <laughs> <laughs> taxidermy supply.
1: That's pretty much what we're looking at you right can, now. Right? You
0: can go on McKenzie's or Van Dyke's they're both same company now because Cabela's bought one or two or the other I can't remember you can buy a clear they'll sell a clear base you can mix all your clear bases and it's a lacquer and you can mix anything you want in that clear lacquer and here's here this is the this is the kicker I'll give the easiest one to go buy you go to a, a uh, what's the automotive store um, not Craigin, uh O'Reilly's O'Reilly's so, O'Reilly's has the duplicolor brand of paint, the spray paint. They sell a quart of clear coat. That clear coat is nothing but a lacquer. You can buy a quart of that lacquer, you can buy a quart of the thinner, and you've got a half gallon of clear paint that you can mix and make your own paints and develop your entire system for 25 bucks. Out of freaking O'Reilly's. That's crazy. Yeah. Stuff is, I'm telling you, just cross industries. But
1: it's, no, but it's research. <laughs> like, how many times do people want to put that research in? Like, you're sitting there going, hey, I got to figure this shit out. I got, I, I I like researching. Uh-huh. You're doing that. That's a whole different always. story. I'm
0: always doing and it. And it. like it's not, said, it's I, not
1: like a, just like, hey, let me Google some shit. No, I'm going to go. Right. fucking find it yeah you know i'm, what I'm, I'm not
0: i'm not on i'm not on the forums asking for for information exactly I'm, I'm that's what i'm trying to I'm say it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a big difference yeah it's it's i've always sort of just paved my own path and just in that it's always just crossing industries like i said the, the fishing industry is is at a standstill compared to other industries
1: are you okay with like uh people messaging you <laughs> being like hey man uh have a question is this is this Do you know like another bait maker i
0: I get questions all the time and depending on how it's phrased and who it's from i either give up information or i don't and I, i don't mind answering questions to people um but it's like you don't hear from somebody in this first time. All they do is just ask you a question. It's kind of like, do I really want to share this information with this person? <laughs> I'll answer people a lot, but there's no harm in it. But to it's be a honest. difference of
1: if I if I reached out a couple times, like, hey man, I really love your bait, Blah blah blah. You know, jack you off a little bit. You know, like, and then they come back again and go, hey, yeah, you know, I like this, and then you yeah, you got to like work it in. You can't just be like. How do you build that bro
0: oh yeah, no and <laughs> and people do that all the time and it, it, it's just it's it's part of any 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 industry is gonna be like that,
1: but it's finding all that that the cool thing is talking to all these bait makers and going like you have a little niche like uh, I could tell by talking to you, you have a very technical niche like where people might not think the way you do, maybe they do, I don't know, yeah, uh, you know maybe Rego thinks differently or you know Mickey Ellis, I don't know whoever. I've never talked to them, but when I talk to you, you're very technical. I'm like, okay, this is kind of like... And you have a background of uh, working the, on, on metal. The fabrication Fabrication, just, yeah, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just the crossover, that's a good example. Of the fabrication, metal, um, for example, my all my mold boxes. What
1: I do just you make could, them
0: out of? I could just go downstairs, I get a piece of 24-gauge galvanized oh, steel Oh
1: god dude that's
0: awesome i hit i i measure everything out i um cut it on the shear, two size <laughs> like if i if i'm doing a two-part mold i'm setting up a bait i'm doing a two-part mold i just do it like three or four inches wide cut it on the shear. measure everything out i go to the sheet metal break i measure everything out and i'll do a two or three piece mold attack
1: well bah, 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 bah. no i
0: don't even well i tape it i just tape it shut LHP, you know it's like not everybody has access to these machines. But you could go to Harbor Freight, buy a cheap ass brake, buy a cheap ass shear. You can get a sheet of 24 gauge, uh, stain or not stainless, but a, a galvanized steel at, yeah, the, at the hardware yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. You can. You don't have to buy a whole sheet. You don't need a four by eight sheet. Um, you can just get it like a, a half a sheet or a 24 by 24. And it's inch cheap piece. as shit. It's like ten bucks for like twenty. I use a
1: melamine okay because i'm woodworking i have a lot of woodworking tools so and that rip, works no, I'm good that's yet.
0: a they use that in, in in mold making a lot so that works really good also yeah. um it, this is just my pr- that's what i have access to and it's but your really,
1: molds must be like
0: they're precise very thick. and the cool thing about it is that i'm able to take that that mold and i see it as that mold becomes the wall to my final molds that go into production So I make it as precise as I can because not only do I want to not use more material than I have to, if I'm setting up for a hard bait, like the hitch six weedless, I just finished making the new molds of that because I'm releasing it in the next couple of weeks. Um, I made 36 molds for that bait. I'm running 36. I might bump it up to like 50.
1: When you say you made 36 molds, you mean,
0: I mean, I'm running, when I go into production on a bait, I'm on the soft baits. I run a minimum of like twenty molds. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. You
1: mean like you got them lined up on the table? You're pouring, 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 yeah. pouring, pouring.
0: Are you fucking serious? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm doing, I, maybe
1: I don't fucking know, <laughs> but that seems fucking crazy.
0: This is a, this is a I'm, I'm not a this isn't a hobby for me. It's a business. So it's like if if I have thirty six molds, it's all. It all I comes, wish
1: I wish I could quote a line. You ever listen to the Casualties? No. Oh God! Great punk band. Okay. And she says, uh, <clears throat> "The girl said something like about being punk rock." He's like, "This is a way of life." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same
0: way. It comes down. It comes down to numbers. It's like okay, so you make a you make a you go through all this effort. you make a bait? And you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to sell this bait." Well, how many do you want to do you want to make a, do you want to make a living at this or just is this a, is this a hobby? What are you doing? So. I'm making a living at it. So 36 is, is sort of the base that allows me to, at the bare minimum, if I'm Did just,
1: you do the math on that and go like, okay, let me think, is 20 too little? Is 36 too much?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And you, it,
1: See, this is what's so cool is like you're, you're sitting there like figuring this out. Well, you know, let me like,
0: tell you sort of the, what's going through my head. First of all, you, you've, got, you've got your time. Your time, time is the most valuable thing you have. So you don't want to waste your own fucking time. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I also, time, since it's the most valuable thing, I want to give myself as much time to myself as I like. If I want to go downstairs and work on my car, I'm going to make sure I have enough time to do that every day. So I'm really in old 30s Ford. So it's like if I want to go downstairs and work on my old car, I got to make sure that I'm doing things upstairs in such a way that I can allow myself that time, but I'm also doing things in such a way that I'm not wasting time and I'm maximizing my time and having a number of molds that go back to that number 36. What that number that it's not just a, a number that I pulled out of my ass. So I'm anytime I'm manufacturing baits, I'm thinking in, in multiples of a hundred. So at 36, what that allows me to do at three pours, I can get 108 baits. So that allows me eight fuck-ups in order to get 100. So it, that also allows for the inevitable defects. So I can get 100 baits out of out of three pours of 36. Almost guaranteed. A lot of times I'll have extras, but that's just good because that's just money in the bank for you.
1: Oh that shit you'll use on your own or whatever. Right? Oh,
0: yeah, whatever or giveaways or whatever. So, like, in three pours... Um, that gives me over 100 baits. And I can do that in one or two days, or I can do that over three days. And then I can paint 50 baits in a day. So that's two days of paint work. So let's say if I'm dragging my ass, I can do one pour a day, one pour the second day, one pour the third day. And then Thursday, Friday, I can paint 50 baits. And by Friday, I will have completed 100 baits. And then I've still got to glue eyeballs on them and package them and everything. But it's like, it, do you have the wife helping you do that? This is mostly mostly me. Um, I what re- the
1: hell? What is the wife doing, <laughs> she, man? She's
0: uh, she's home. She's home doing. She she runs a uh, thing called Odd Salon. Which, what is that? Uh, unfortunately, um, COVID hit pretty hard. It's a, it's a really awesome speaker series that she does, and um, she's running it twice a month and what is it about so it's it's it, she does uh, a speaker series on history art and adventure basically that's pretty
1: fucking cool man
0: it's really cool so you she can have,
1: see that on on um she
0: is doing stuff online okay. once a month right now um she was doing twice a month but then brought it back to t- once a month when, when it was live and she was doing live shows in san francisco and she has a whole fellowship and a whole. Sh- uh, people get really competitive. They go and she has six speakers a night when she does her show. It sounds and
1: like a podcast with the group.
0: She's <laughs> she's thinking about doing it. Hey, should, well, <laughs> you let me know what she needs to help
1: with? and I'll tell you what to sure. get. But it's cool though. She she
0: she was she was really doing really well until COVID hit pretty hard because she's doing public events. So I, she has not been working the last well she ha- she's not able to do the public events but she's doing stuff online it's just not the same online. she's it's really not she doesn't enjoy it as much but it's keeping see yeah, I'm
1: glad that you said that that's the way I feel about doing podcasts over the phone we wouldn't have had the same conversation you, you don't over get the, the same, th- same no, interaction no, you man. lose a
0: lot and I and mean, it's
1: the truth like it's like uh, you guys I mean you want to hear different people people go oh get this guy I want him in person like I'll do people if I have to over the phone yeah but if I have them in person, it's like we get a different rapport than it's totally.
0: It's a, you know different.
1: what I'm saying, and I'm I'm sure you understand that. Yeah,
0: 100%. absolutely. I mean, FaceTime is, is super important. Yeah. In, in any industry, for sure. Even and
1: it's not the same FaceTime as you think over the phone. It's like you got to see the person. You yeah. feed off of them a different way. They tell a story. I might interject. Like it's it's cool to hear that your wife's doing something cool like that too. Yeah,
0: man. she she's really she's been successful, and she's she's able to sort of pivot and move towards doing stuff online, and she's. She has she has like all oh, over thirty thousand followers on YouTube. She's oh, that's And that's great, growing dude. incrementally, like pretty quickly for her. Is um, that what
1: she kind of is working on? That's her deal. She's
0: working on that now. Do you um, have kids? No kids. Um, oh
1: man, you're on top of I it. I know, what right? That's hell? that's how I'm able to keep
0: doing what I'm doing. Um, Say so I've been able to travel around the world and experience life. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> not me.
1: I quit my band and I quit. I didn't go on European tour because
0: of my kids. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's got to be enjoyable and it's whole. No, I end. love my
1: my son. He quit playing drums. He's 16, but he's an amazing drum. I played drums, bass guitar yeah. before in hardcore punk bands. And uh, my son's really 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 good at drums, but he quit because he got into girls. Yeah. <laughs> now he's busy trying to, you know, be nasty with girls. Yeah,
0: you probably can't even get him to go out fishing. A uh, no, little bit. A little my bit?
1: one, I can uh he's more we're more into uh music a little more with yeah. him. Yeah, like he likes music a little more, so
0: That's cool we'll though. We do stuff
1: like that. You have
0: to live vicariously through him now a little bit, huh?
1: I get Well, I did <laughs> until he quit playing fucking drums and I'm like, "What the fuck, man?" Like, "You you were there. That that was my life. You did it like you're amazing." Like He's really good. Like he played in sixth grade. He played snare, Uh uh-huh. snare in this drum line and snare. Uh Only eighth graders played. He played in sixth grade. As a senior, he played on the snare line. I'm sorry. As a as a freshman, he played as a senior. So now he's in he's in eleventh grade now. But COVID, you can't do shit. Yeah,
0: it's been tough. Um, but it's it's cool. I mean,
1: my all the boys are crazy. Uh, the middle the middle boys entered a couple fishing tournaments. He likes fishing. Right on. So it's cool. But it's cool to hear, like, the a, a little backstory. I'm sure people want to hear a little bit about you, too, oh, as well. I mean, you've done it forever. but So you're packaging everything yourself. You're doing it all yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I'm getting to a point of where this year, after it's safe to do so, I, I want to hire a painter, and I want to hire somebody to um, pour and uh, teach them the ins that and outs of everything. It's
1: so hard for you to
0: hire a painter when you're so good. But the thing about that is it's it's very – I can teach somebody to paint, like – if, if you're good at something, you can teach somebody to do it. So I, 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 I'd, I'd like to hire somebody with a bit of experience, obviously. But I keep everything really quite... S- well. To you, simple. I, Maybe I say, not to fucking everyone else. Just, I, you know? I, I say simple, but simple is, is after years of experience, <laughs> like working with colors is, you know, somebody might think you need eight colors in a bait, but really you can you can do something better with four. And if you can layer those colors and come up with something, I try not to get past five colors on a production bait, and thus I have to. but for the most part, most of my production colors are less than five colors, and it's just a it's a matter of layering your pigments, and mixing my own pigments I'm able to it's all about transparency. If you paint with opaques, you're fucking yourself on every coat. Yeah, if you paint with transparency. You're using your base color and you're reading through that base color throughout your entire paint job. So you're. What a
1: great fucking statement. 100%. Like, that's a good call because I learned that a little bit as I've been painting with airbrush. Yeah. Fucking bullshit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's great. It, it's cool because you just get different light and everything. Yeah. you get different readings on one color. You, you can use one color on your back, and by using like an opaque blacker on the eyes or on the fins, you can have it read like three different colors over your silver or your or your gold or whatever your base color is. Your white. So you're you're really sort of getting multiple colors out of out of one by painting with those transparents and reading through your base color. Um, and the the silver base that i use is definitely something i keep secret because it's it's a color that it's publicly accessible i won't tell you where to get it <laughs> no i mean but, you got to
1: have your fucking yeah. i mean you got your deals that you deal with, you know, like you can't just give everything out.
0: Yeah. There's, there's the, when you, when you dive deep into pigments, pigments go back thousands of years and it's, it's a very fascinating subject to me. I love, I love, love talking about pigments and I, I can go off on it.
1: It's cool to hear um, you take this almost as an art.
0: It is. It is. You know, an art. To
1: you, like you don't just, Every little piece I'm sure the silicone, whatever you're using. Yeah. You had to mix you don't just use a basic silicone to inject the, the
0: molds, do you? No, no, I don't. Do you make your own? I the Well, the, you mix a couple things. I mix like, a, it's all off the shelf stuff, but I I have my own mix to dude, uh, to arrive at the the consistency cool. and everything. Yeah. And that does three things. One, it it it, it makes my silicone last longer it degasses it quicker and it pours easier so the the thing that i add to it does three things mm-hmm. um so it's a it's benefit it's just like cost rate cost benefit ratio it's like <laughs> so you can you can i get three three benefits out of out of the mix that i have
1: do you uh, like making soft plastic or hard baits
0: um i like doing both um i prefer doing the soft plastic stuff i really like doing it uh over the hard baits um, I I do enjoy doing the hard baits a lot, but I prefer doing the soft baits. I've kind of made a niche for myself with it in the industry, and it's not that I not not that I don't do hard baits. I just don't do as much as time goes on. It seems like what I'm doing with the soft bait stuff. There's more of a demand for it, and there's enough people doing hard bait stuff. I was
1: going to say that right now. Like, do you feel like it's a little over? The market's overflowed a little with hard baits. I get to, a lot of people make hard you baits. You know, I that.
0: I thought that 10 years ago. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. It's all perspective. It's all, everything's changed. 10 years ago, we didn't have the social media that we have now no, and everything. So, like, I, I didn't even want to make my first glide bait when I did because I thought, oh, it's, there's too many out there. And when was that? Oh. I don't know it was eight years ago, nine <laughs> yeah. years ago. No, like, there was not too many then at all. <laughs> Um But I, I don't I just it I, I'm always trying to do new stuff. I mean I've always been that way since the beginning. The very first bait I did was not just it's like I've always had a purpose. I've always tried to do something new. I'm always pushing the limits of of and sometimes things aren't successful. Um and sometimes things are before their time. Like I've done a few baits. Um like the the bluegill that I gave you, I did that bait in oh six. There was only Damn. three other than Japanese stuff, there was only three bluegills back then. Who was it? Jeremy hmm? um had had the shell cracker, the right? shellcracker okay. and then Literally the same week, I entered. I, me and Matt's servant also introduced his hard gill in 06 at the bassathon. We both, we both, oh, did
1: you go to the bassathon as well? We both oh, released shit. those
0: baits literally the same week. So that was 06. So those were the three, the the original first three bluegill swim baits. Wow. And, um, I mean, Jeremy's was wood, and, and Matt's and I were both resin. And uh, also the, the, the bluegill. Matt, Servant, myself, and Rago were one of the first people to do some of the taxidermy techniques. The the bluegill. No,
1: I, he talked about that, Jeremy. That's pretty fucking yeah, cool, man. Yeah,
0: and um, going back to when I met Jeremy, it was like um, some of the stuff that we learned back in the day, there was a guy um, who had a great website. It was fishcarver.com and uh he he had a dvd we we all learned a lot of stuff from him but um and that was after i did the bluegill um so i was able to sort of take a lot of those techniques and and put them in my pocket and use them for further things um but just going back to like i'm i'm always trying to do something new um I, i i'm not looking at what's out there i'm looking at what can be done um and another good example of that i've got i've got one of my favorite baits i ever did was the was the pack rat and that was a that was a collaboration the pack rat is um is the soft where'd it it go let me dig one out of here it's the soft swimming rat it's a it's a sinking um soft bait and the tails are the not the tails but the the legs are designed uh, to kick like a swim bait tail. And that bait was a collaboration. I came up with the idea. And that bait was a collaboration between me and, me and Benno Huin from uh, um, Little Creeper. Okay. I was friends with him. I met him. <clears throat> he worked up at Tackle It in Lakeport for Ed, I can't remember Ed's last name. Ed was the owner. And he poured all the the line of soft plastic for him Maverick, Maverick worms. Mhm. And Benno came up with a little swim bait for Maverick. And I was talking back and forth with Benno. I'm like, dude, let's work on this rat. Benno is like a magician with clay. And I knew that he could do a better job at doing it than I could. And I've always, I've never been somebody who gets really stubborn about something. If I know somebody can do something better than me, (laughs) I'm going to work with them. And I'm going to have them do it. (laughs) Yeah. And not only is it going to turn out quicker, better and quicker in the end, but I'm going to learn something in the process. So I worked with Benno on this rat, and it took us a year of fucking around with it. It was not an easy bait. It seems like it'd be easy, but to get it to do what we wanted it to do, it took us a year. And that's two guys that know what they're doing, trying something new, trying to figure it out and it finally worked out we actually did a bigger one first this is the smaller one the okay. original was it's like a six inch body I mean it, it's its no joke um, and we threw it and threw it and threw it and honestly and the bait was too big and I think what that goes down da- comes down to is sort of the big crawdad theory. I have a theory that bass do not want to eat a crotad past a certain point because they really? know it can fuck them up. Like why would why would a bass? <laughs> hey, I
1: just saw a video of a smallmouth trying to get a fucking big crawdad. Big old crawdad. I right? just kept fucking grabbing his face. Yeah. It's like
0: a it's like an all out battle, right? So a bass <laughs> knows like why am I going to eat this six inch crawdad that's not only going to like bite bite at my lip and pinch me, but it, it's hard as hell. It's going to hurt going in. It's going to hurt coming out. And I think that's (laughs) the same process, the same thing that happened with this rat is it was almost too big. And we caught fish on it, but I got more followers all the way to the boat than I did with once I downsized it a little bit. I got way more commitment and it didn't really downsize the size of the fish. It would just upped. The amount of actual strikes that I got, and I think a bass, probably through genetics or experience, knows that a big muskrat or something can turn around and fuck them up. And it, it, we we kind of came to this size, and we like we threw it around for a couple of years and realized that wow, that was just sort of the magic size. Yeah, and it's it, wild. It it is wild, and I, you would think that a bigger bait would would draw and catch bigger fish and i over time you are probably going to catch some big fish on it but my catch rates were lower on the big one than on the smaller one and i really think i call it the crawdad theory i think a a a big a big fish would rather eat 10 two-inch crawdads than have a all-out battle with a six-inch crawdad
1: (laughs) that's i agree 100 percent. that's i mean it's it's a would they say elephants eat peanuts
0: <laughs> you know it's right. like
1: it's like what what do you what you, the same shit but uh another question i have is you you don't mind collaborating with people so like you uh you collaborated with with uh ben yeah and that they, was yeah, that yeah. was
0: one of my first collaborations uh, river to sea yeah um we did that uh starting a couple of years ago um that was, that was a really fun project, and we're probably going to be doing more. COVID kind of put the kibosh on that. Um, we, uh, um, the, everything coming out of China is sort of just was on a halt for like almost three months, like two and a half, three months before it even got started back up again, and even then it wasn't full production. So there was two things that happened with COVID and, and production is things got stopped, and it fell behind because of that. And then once they started up again, they weren't at full production. And, and even before they got back up to full production, the other thing that happened is something like 9 million above average fishing licenses got purchased dude, this how wild year. is that, dude? So the industry just blew up. And they were selling more products. And shelves were just empty. So the result of that for River to Sea and other companies was that they're still playing catch up. They're selling so much product right now that that they don't need to
1: fuck with anything. Well, it's not.
0: Yeah, they don't. It's not that that we don't want to move forward with yeah. the stuff, but but Simon is still playing catch up on on just the basics. Yeah, just making spinner baits and making whopper ploppers and Shit. all that stuff that he had to put all projects on hold until further notice basically and there's a number of projects that that myself and other people are are really chomping at the bit to work on but we just we just can't right now and it's totally i totally understand it and luckily i'm in a a position that i'm not relying on that it's just a fun side side project simon's an awesome guy he's really fun to work with he's we think alike simon is a very much like he's not afraid to try new stuff He's a, he's a company that uh, – he's a lot of companies just sort of do what's already out there and to just make little changes. Simon's not afraid to try something completely new and different and just give it a go. I mean, look what happened with the, with the s waiver um, is a perfect example. That bait was out three, four years before it really took off. I mean, but he was willing to put that out – Way before it even caught on, and the same with the Whopper Plopper. The Whopper Plopper was out for years. God, I love the Whopper Plopper. It's dude. an amazing bait. It's so it's it's just just strikes a core reaction out of fish. It's it's so unbelievable. I love that bait. It's 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 been around for a long time in the musky world. It's just a redesign of a musky bait. Um, it's funny. I, every time I talk to Nate from Nate Bait about like he always just laughs. He's like, "Ah, those things have been around forever in the musky world." i like, "Yeah, they have." <laughs> Um, but then, you know, Larry Dahlberg took the idea and sort of refined it and everything. And it's a really cool bait. And it's, it's, uh, but going, he's just not afraid to do new things. And, um, it's, that's what I, I really love working with Simon. Um, but yeah, he's got some, he's got some new projects with, with not only river to sea, um he's got some stuff he's going on with, with Matt Allen that's on hold. Um uh, which which we'd we would all love to see. I'm I i can not tell you what it is, but I'm gonna tell you that's pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Um but yeah, it's all on hold right now. But it'll all come back. Everything everything will come back. Soon enough. Um
1: as long as everyone's safe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um who would you consider your top three bait makers?
0: Oh yeah. Top three. Um Like, people that I look up to or people that I was inspired by? How or about like... people
1: that currently...
0: Currently? Yeah,
1: because I feel like uh, everyone has the same answer as the top three, like, original dudes. Like, I know Rego, Mickey. Sure. Like, you know, but how about nowadays? Like, you see some guys that just really stand out to you.
0: So, nowadays, um, I got to say, my friend Rafa from Raphael Customs Bates, he is making some of the nicest stuff out there not only is it nice visually his shit works he is an amazing bait maker and i'm really i'm really pushing him like unfortunately dude just got covid yeah he was working at at an auto parts store and uh got covid and i was like dude just freaking quit your job and just start making baits man like I mean I'm, I'm just pushing him to do it. I'm like just start making baits. And he didn't have a website or anything. So like when he had when he was sick, I went online and freaking bought his domain for him. I'm going to like oh, help that's him cool, man. help him build him a yeah, website and stuff. Yeah. Like just dude, now if this doesn't change your mind, like come on, man. What else is going to yeah. freaking live a little, right? Yeah. Um, he's super talented. Um, and this is so like currently um, like I got to say Jeremy Anderson is a long-time friend. He's super talented. Um I I want to see Jeremy do something new. I know he's fucking talented enough. He's got ideas. <laughs> we t- we've we had so many late-night conversations like going on about stuff and I know he's got so many cool ideas that I want to see him do something new. And you know, this is just a freaking kick in the ass to you Jeremy. Come on, <laughs> do it. Um let's see. Uh my other, my other good friend Nate Lambrecht, um He's super talented. Uh, he's he's definitely I think one of one of the best out there as well. As far as as far as the the in the he's I mean he's of the same sort of generation that I am. Okay, uh, wouldn't say new at this point. <laughs> Time goes by so fast, you know, Right, dude. I
1: remember 2006, like nothing.
0: I know. Right. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. so yeah, the, those are probably my top three right there. And they, I, I'm happy to call them all friends as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marcus. It's a, it's a cool community of people. Um, uh, it, 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 it's a, it's a cool industry to be in for sure.
1: No, I'm glad <clears throat> you, you came on and I think we've had a pretty solid podcast. Ah, uh, glad to hear your story and yeah. all the history, man. And the way you go about it is different than. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of bait makers, and uh-huh. I don't feel like uh, a lot of the guys have gone through the same uh, trials you have of like fabrication.
0: Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. Stuff wasn't available when I started. Um, number one. And it's, it's just totally different. Uh, Instagram and Facebook and everything, has changed everything. It, it's, it's good for the industry. I love the fact that tons of people are making baits. It's really cool to see people start and evolve and do new stuff. Um, I think it's really cool. I think it's nothing but good for the industry, to be yeah. honest. And that's why I don't mind sharing information. Um, it, it, it's just, it, there's no reason to be tight-lipped about it. You go into other industries and people share information all the yeah, time. Yeah,
1: like welding or something like that, sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that. And I'm sure everybody that listens to this is going to appreciate you Opening up a little bit about paint and about yeah stuff like
0: that. So and that's uh, just the tip of the iceberg. There's yeah. so much out there. It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Hopefully we uh I can make another run back up here in a couple months and we could do something cool. Yeah, it'd be cool to do, do a round table or something yeah. with Jeremy. And... I'd love to do a bait maker <laughs> round table, come back up and get like some bait makers, maybe you, or Jeremy, someone else. 100 percent and uh, do something fun. like that. But thanks for coming on, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank and, you for the uh having plug where they can get your bait at.
0: Well, uh I'm selling direct right now off my website at JSU jbaits.com, uh, and i'll be releasing the new hitch six weed list probably the first round of baits will be next week i'm Great. gonna be uh hoping hoping to get a couple hundred done and get those up on the website uh, as early as next week
1: sounds good thanks yeah. again man i appreciate it thank you all right take care Bye.